0: You are listening to Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.
1: Happy Fourth of July, guys. How are you guys? Good. Um, I love the Fourth of July. It's literally been one of my favorite holidays um, since I was little. Um, there's no presence involved, which kind of frees up your mind as a parent and as a person who has to make a holiday happen for a family. But I love today because um, I'm a military kid, and we've just loved um, honoring our country in a lot of different ways. And today is one of those confusing—it's a confusing season because a lot of people are suggesting that celebrating today um, should, should bring conflict— have you guys read those things? Like today should be, be a, a day of conflict. And I just want to challenge us as Christians to be able to navigate seasons of conflict, to be able to navigate hard times, that we can both celebrate and be challenged, that we can both um, celebrate and intercede for better. And so um, I, I'm going to celebrate today, and it's going to be pretty awesome. I'm going to uh, just be grateful in all the way, shapes, and forms for this country that I was really, really lucky to be born in. So if you're watching online, today is the beginning of a series called Summer at the Movies, and does anybody have popcorn? Did anybody bring popcorn in to the auditorium? Yeah, so some people got their popcorn. We're hoping that this next month of Summer at the Movies, we have four four messages that will be kind of partnered with a film that we hope that you guys have watched. Um, we want to have just a moment where we we recognize that God can be found in the little things. God can be found. Have you guys ever experienced um, a moment with the Lord in an unexpected place? Just like, oh my gosh, it wasn't a sermon, it wasn't a worship song, it wasn't even maybe technically Christian as the way we would categorize Christian, but you can still find God there because God could use all things. He can use a donkey, he can use a movie, right? And so we're gonna just um, kind of watch a movie a little bit. Um, I hope I just want to caution you guys, we're going to do tons of spoilers, and so if you haven't seen this movie, I'm sorry, you're way behind, you should have watched this movie like 15 years ago. Um, we're going to be watching The Sandlot, and just a little bit of The Sandlot, it's one of my favorites. It's so, so good. You guys, the movie's so good. And so I've watched it a couple times, and I'm like a sap. Like, I cry at commercials, and there are multiple times during this movie where I'm I'm sitting there, and my kids are like, are you crying, Mom? I'm like, yeah, he caught the ball, you know? Um, It's just so good. So if you haven't watched it, um, go home and watch it later this week. It's just, it's a good family film, and there's a bazillion different lessons here. But one of the main lessons that I'm trying to pull out of this film today is how we are called to be a people free from fear. We are called to be a people who actually do some stuff in the kingdom. And I believe that fear is one of the number one weapons of the enemy that keeps us stationary, it keeps us hidden, it keeps us silent, it keeps us um, stuck in our past brokenness instead of living in the victory that we just sang about. And so I wanna talk about being free from fear. I want to talk about being free from the things that the enemy will try to use to keep you down, okay? And so um, I think that we're not, I'm not talking about fear like when somebody jumps out from behind a door and scares you. Because I believe that God has given us a, uh, the experience, the physical experience of fear to protect us from things. Have you guys ever been afraid and it was a good thing because it kept you from going in an area that was actually bad for you, either physically, emotionally, or spiritually? There are some things when the Lord will, will cause you to be redirected. What I'm talking about today when I'm talking about fear is actually the spirit of fear. I believe that the enemy um, will kind of bring on you a spirit of fear that sticks to you unnecessarily. When fear stops being useful, it stops being from the Lord, okay? And so sometimes um, I'd need to scare my children. Have you ever scared your kid out of doing something bad? (laughs) Like if you touch that, your fingers are going to fall off, you know? Like you kind of say some things to scare them out of their own way of doing some things. (laughs) I've never lied to my children, I promise. No, I'm just kidding. But sometimes we do some things. We, uh, we will tell some things. We will try to scare people out of a, 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 tra- a tra- trajectory that's dangerous for them. Okay? But once fear stops being used by the Lord, and I don't believe that the Lord gives us a spirit of fear, but he allows us to experience fear to protect our broken, fragile bodies. But as soon as that fear sticks to you and keeps you from doing what the, keeps you from doing what the Lord has called you to do, um, that's a spirit of fear from the enemy. It really is. And so I want to talk about it because I believe that I I have overcome fear time and time again. There are things that I have been afraid of in the past that I know that the Lord has delivered me from. And because I left it unchecked, it snuck back in. And I became afraid of that thing again, and it started to um, cement my feet to the ground again. And so I do believe that this is not a lesson that you learn once and you kind of get free from once, but this may be a lesson that every now and then I'm like, Lord, check my heart. Where's my, where, um, how is, how am I doing in the area of fear? How am I doing in the area of obedience, okay? And so we're gonna be reading through several scriptures, but the first one, this is like the main scripture, one of the ones that we should all have memorized as Christians, this is in our arsenal of how we um, battle fear, Is in 1 Timothy 1.7. I'm sure many of you have it memorized. I like the New King James Version because that's how I memorized it as a kid. This is the one that I know by heart. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And as I watched this movie, I could see the the power. I can see the impact of love. And I can see the results of having a sound mind in the lives of these kids as we watch this. So first of all, when we talk about fear, where does fear come from? Where does it come from? If God has not given us a spirit of fear, where does it come from? And the easy answer is the enemy. But let's talk about how he allows that fear to enter. Because he's not just showing up your door and knocking and saying, hey, it's me, the devil. Here's some fear. You know, like he's, he's a little bit sneakier. And so a lot of times we don't know where we have to do the work of identifying which door in our life that fear came in. Okay, so the fear can come in in a lot of different places. And if you're young, I can tell you, the fear can come in even for you as a young person. The fear can come in really early. And if we're not watching where fear is coming in and actively closing those doors, by the time we hit adulthood, we've allowed fear to grow. And so if you're young today, this message is still for you, that we can be people who close the door on where fear can come in. Okay, so um, in this movie, The Sandlot, if you haven't watched it, here's the spoilers. It's really about this um, group of boys particularly one young man his name is Smalls and it's kind of ironic that his name is Smalls because he is a person who thinks very small of himself okay he's actually a self-proclaimed egghead and it's really funny if you watch the movie he tells his mom he's like I'm an egghead and his mom's like well, you'll always be an egghead if, with an attitude like that. And I just started dying laughing because she didn't tell him, you're not an egghead. She's like, yeah, uh, <laughs> you better change your behavior. Otherwise, you'll always be an egghead. I'm like, oh my gosh, this mom is so great. Anyways, so this is a self-proclaimed egghead. He's obviously dealing with fear. Okay, there are some people who are dealing with fear, but we know how to like, keep it together. You know, like We wear big red pants so if people think we're really bold and brave. You know, like We have it together. Um, but mo- I can just tell you everybody's dealing with a certain amount of fear in some, some capacity. But this young man, he is obviously dealing with fear where he is stepping forward and he's shaking. He's stuttering. He doesn't understand what to say. Um, so in those moments, that's what we're going we're gonna to join in. He is trying to get in on this group of boys who play baseball. And when I look at these boys, number one, they're not that cool either, okay? <laughs> these little boys, I'm like, why is he talking trash? Like, he's super dorky as well. Like, all little kids are kind of like, okay, he's still growing into his body as well. Anyways, but this little boy who's trying to get in on the cool kids, um, we're gonna see his first experience of what it was like for him to face his fears and try to get in on the game. Let's check this out.
0: Smalls, throw second. Okay. Told you, Benny. We told you. <laughs> Come on, Benny, why'd you do that? A square, Benny. The kids, a square. <laughs> Come on, throw it in. What the hell's he doing? I don't believe this. Here. Sorry. Sorry. you know? No. I can't. I don't know how. Thanks for taking me here. But I think I better go. Hey, hey, You think too much. How'd you get straight A's? No, I got a B once. Actually, with an A minus. But it should have been a B. Man, this is baseball. You gotta stop thinking. You just have fun. I mean, if you were having fun, you would have caught that ball. You ever have a paper up? I helped a guy once. OK. Well, tuck it like you would throw a paper. When your arm gets here, just let go. Just let go. It's that easy. How do I catch it? Just stand there And stick your glove out in the air. I'll take care of it. About time, Benny. My claws are going out of style. They already are. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) Told you, Benny. Smalls, throw it second. Okay.
1: Okay. Let's
0: play some ball. Yeah, Let's play some All right.
1: Yeah, I love it all the time. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> That's the part I can't help but like, kind of tear up a little bit because I really do. Um, whenever I watch that, I see an image of myself and God. When He tells Smalls, just stick your glove in the air. And I'll take care of the rest. Like I know, I'm very confident that that's how God sees us. He doesn't expect us to have all the right tools. He expects us to stick our glove in the air, metaphorically speaking. Whatever that means for your life. Sometimes that means just just go outside and find a person to pray with. Just go to that person at your school who you know is having a hard time. Just go to them and start a conversation. The Lord wants us to start something and then he puts the ball in the glove. It's not necessarily about us. Smalls didn't do anything. He literally stood there with his glove in the air. And Benny, such a good friend, such a good mentor, made it happen. And I believe that for us as people who are overcomers of fear, if we would get out there and trust that God will use our obedient step of just getting out there, and expecting to be world changers, expecting to be kingdom builders, expecting that every encounter is an opportunity for transformation in somebody's life, that God will connect the dots. Okay, and I do believe that what's really important about this situation is that Smalls had a really good teacher. He had a really, like if, I don't know if he, if he wouldn't have caught the ball, which is pretty much a miracle by the way, like I don't know how you hit a ball with a bat and get it into a glove, but whatever Um, but the fact that he did that made it so that he could actually throw the ball I think that that moment gave him confidence to do the rest of the task and I just want to tell you that fear is natural because we live in a broken world but it's not natural according to the perfection of God okay because the brokenness of this world brings about opportunities that man it's scary rejection is real okay violence is real tornadoes are real, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things that could be scary. We live in a broken world. So if you have fear, let's not add shame to that by being sad that you're afraid. Like there's, there's things that are scary. The, um, when we go out and we have to talk to people, I tell you, t- talking to people is one of the scariest things you'll ever do. Talking to people about stuff that matters is one of the scariest things you'll ever have to do. And it says in John 16, this is how I know that, um, that there's going to be scary stuff. It says, I have told you these things, this is Jesus talking, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take, uh, take heart, I have overcome the world. So we know that there's trouble that is, that is threatening our peace. And that trouble is going to re- result in fear. Um, but I can tell you as a st- in a story in 2 Kings that we are to live by the Spirit. If we are people who live by the Spirit, it will change our perspective. In 2 Kings 6, 16-17, this is a really cool story with the prophet Elisha. I'm going to start in verse 15. I'm just going to read it through because the scripture will speak for itself. When a servant of the man of God got up and he went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Now there's every reason to be afraid. They are surrounded, right? But he says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This was not practically, physically true. Okay, because he is living by the spirit. He is seeing things by the spirit. He knows what's spiritually true, maybe not what's physically true. Physically true, they're surrounded, they're in danger. They should, could, you know, it's viable to be afraid. But what Elisha is operating under is something greater than the physical world. And as Christians, we can operate in something greater than the physical world. And it tells us how right here. It says in verse 17, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots and f- chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down from, toward them, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness and, as Elisha had asked. If we were to ask God, God, open our eyes so that I'm not seeing every situation just for what it looks like. I can't just see every situation just for what I can see in front of me. Every, every sit, um, when I sit down and do my budget, sometimes it doesn't line up. God, I I don't have all the money to do all the things I need to do. That's a practical thing that sometimes doesn't line up, but if I can, if I can tap into the spirit side of who God has said, he says, I've made you an heir of heaven. I've made you an heir of the kingdom. There is a wealth of um, resources to me I look at my budget, it may not line up, but I can ask the Lord, give me your sight for how I handle my finances. Give me your image, your um, your vision for how I process this lack. When I look at a diagnosis, a friend of mine has been diagnosed with something pretty scary, and we're doing the work of making sure that we look at this diagnosis through the possibility of the spirit world. That even though this may be a physical, practical reason to be afraid, we're going to stand in truth of how God can be a healer God can be a healer. God wants to be a healer. And even if he doesn't, we're going to find our confidence in Christ. Even if he doesn't. So we're doing that work right now. It says we can live in the spirit because the spirit is our power. The spirit is our source. So fear, when we look at this video clip, I know that fear for this young man, it's, it's thriving in a couple different places inside of him. So fear, once it's planted in you, you can do the work of getting it out. And fear, before it takes root, is actually, I think it's pretty easy to get out. Like, oh, no, 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 I see you, fear, I'm moving on, right? But fear, once it takes root, it thrives in certain environments. There are certain environments that fear will just, like, take root. Um, I have um, some mint plant, I'm a kind of a plant crazy person, and I have some mint plant, and it is just overwhelming my entire yard. I did not know. Did you know that mint is actually a weed? Mint is a weed. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have mint for my water. Well, I got mint for all y'all's water because this mint is going crazy, okay? There are certain things that in the right environment will take off, okay? And fear in certain environments will take root and take off in a way that you is very difficult to control. I think that fear thrives in shame. When we are ashamed of ourselves, ashamed of our behavior, when we keep it hidden, like this is why Christ teaches us about confession, public confession, going to a trusted person. Because if we hide things on the regular, it will transition into shame, and shame will lead to fear of people discovering what you are, who you are, what you've done, and then you'll start to behave in a way to hide it. And it will keep you quiet. It'll keep your testimony abbreviated. It'll keep your, um, your outreach short, okay? And so identify yourself. Are there areas of shame that need to be um, a- attacked with love? This young man was afraid because he didn't know nothing about baseball. If you watch the beginning of the movie, he, I mean, he's like trying to tell him, go left center, and he, you know, I don't know much about baseball either, so I'm going to stop there. But... <laughs> Oh, he don't know. We don't know. Me and Smalls. Okay, um, but because of, he, he was ashamed of who he was. He was ashamed of how, how he it was inept in, a, in, a, in this capacity. Um, and he was afraid to try. He was afraid to even try. I know that um, fear uh, can lead to shame or fear thrives in shame from Genesis 3, verse 10. Actually, I'm going to go back to verse 8. This is um, right in the beginning, right after Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. They didn't trust God enough to obey Him. God said, "You can do you're in charge of all of this, all of the perfection of my creation. You are in charge of it all. but just don't eat this tree. Trust me, don't eat this tree." And they didn't. Through the promptings, the pullings, the, the temptation of the enemy, they went and they sinned. They ate from that tree. So this is the response. In the cool of the evening, breezes were blowing. The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. God said, who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? So all of a sudden, their their shame made a way for fear to keep them away from God. And if we don't attack shame, if we don't attack it, if we don't identify it and uproot it and, and bring our issues straight to the Father, we're going to end up running away from God as if we can, as if we can run from God. He sees every single thing, and what he brings to us is love, what he brings to us is acceptance, what he brings to us is encouragement. But in our twisted, broken, sin-riddled brains, we try to hide who we are, and that breeds fear. Fear. Another thing that'll breed fear, that'll allow fear to thrive is the unknown. If we don't know about it, we ain't going there, right? Um, another thing is the misunderstood. I may know a little bit about it, but I don't completely understand it, so I'm going I'm to kind of stay away from that. Um, one time, I, I remember I was sleeping, and my husband has this tattoo on his back. If you're anti-tattoo, you can write Andrew, but um, we were, we were, I was sleeping and then I woke up and his tattoo on his back was like distorted, you know, like, cause I had just woken up and in my mind immediately, the first thought that I said was there's somebody else in my bed. And so I literally like punched his back <laughs> cause that was just like the gut reaction. It's like, ah, like uh, anyways. Um, so sometimes it may be a thing that we know about, but because of a certain situation that we put ourselves in, we no longer understand it. So it brings about fear. Right, So I I think I know what you're saying, but because I'm misunderstanding how you're going about, I assume you don't love me, or I assume um, I'm not qualified, or I assume this isn't for me, or I assume you think less of me. We can misunderstand enough, and misunderstandings left unchecked can breed fear. And then trauma. Trauma is this deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Many of us have had experienced trauma from childhood or trauma from experiences. When you've experienced, um, like if I go to touch a thing and somebody slaps my hand, and that happens on repeat, um, I'm going to stop reaching right? And so some of us are afraid of intimacy. We're afraid of being exposed. We're afraid of showing who we are. We're afraid of going in certain avenues. We're afraid of maybe certain types of people. We're afraid of certain situations because of an experience of trauma that has taught us to fear that. And I can tell you that that's that's, um, something that the Lord can overcome. I don't believe that there is anything outside of the healing covering of Jesus So even years of trauma, even generations of trauma can be restored by the powerful name of Jesus. And so if you have any of these things in your mind, or as you're doing the work, like man, I have this thing, this fear, maybe it's coming from one of these places. We're gonna move on and um, watch just a little bit more of our, our video. Um, there is, the, you heard it in the last video, there's a really big dog behind the field that these kids play in, and eventually the ball is gonna go over the fence, and the kid's gotta explain to the, the new kid why he can't go across that fence. Let's check this out.
0: The legend of the beast goes back a long time. For any of us could even pick up a baseball. Back to a place called Myrtle's Acres. It all started about mm, 20 years ago, when thieves kept stealing junk from Myrtle's Acres' junkyard. So Mr. Myrtle, the guy that used to own the place, this new pup from the dog pound. He fed him whole sides of beef. He turned the pup over in the junkyard, and the pup was grateful. With only one thing on his mind kill everyone that broke in. And he did. And he liked it. A lot. The beast was the most perfect junkyard dog that ever lived. A true killing machine. But after a while, the cops started getting phone calls from people reporting all the missing thieves. The ones the beast had killed. It added up to about 120. 173 guys, it's true. They never found a single body, not one. Some people say they all got away, but we all know what really happened. The beast ate them, he ate them bone and all. The beast was too good at his guard dog job, so the police said he had to be retired. My grandpa, Squigman Paladors was police chief back then. When you ordered Mr. Myrtle to turn his backyard into a fortress and chain up the beast and put him under the house where he could never get out to eat children and stuff, and that's where he's been for 20 years, and that's where he'll be for the rest of his life. Because when Mr. Myrtle asked the cops how long he had to keep the beast chained up like a slave, they said until forever, forever. 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 And so, the beast sits there under that lean-to, dreaming the time when he can break the chain and get out. Dreaming the time when he can chase and kill again. See, man? That's why he can't go over there. Nobody ever has, nobody ever will. One kid did, but nobody ever seen him again. That ain't true. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you got eaten. nuh No. None of that's true. You guys are just making this up to scare me. Oh, yeah? Stick your head out that window. And, like, down. That night... I learned that more than hundred and fifty baseballs had gone over that fence and not one of them was ever seen again. Even when some brave kid worked up enough courage to peek over because when they went over they vanished. I knew it was true because when I looked down in there I didn't see a single, solitary one. Ah! He's down there. You bet he is. Whatever goes over that fence. there, becomes a property of the beast forever.
1: <laughs> okay, so this is kid stuff, but if I attach it to my real life, sometimes this happens to me, where whoever tells me the story first, whoever tells me the situation the best, whoever lays on the most emotion, they're probably right, right? Have you ever believed something just because you got that information from a person first, right? Sometimes our fear comes from believing lies. Okay. Sometimes we can be believing lies because we have a misordered reality. Okay, and so this is just—I I see what's true. I see the short. I see the the um, the lack. I see the danger, but I'm seeing it bigger than I see my God. If we are people who keep in our view how big God is when we're seeing all the troubles of this world, then we keep in order the authorities. Yes, I should be nervous. Yes, I should run in certain things. But if my God says to go into the storm, right, that storm cannot be bigger than that command of God on my heart. So we have to be a people who believe more in how big our God is than we see the bigness of the enemy. And sometimes the enemy is not even that big. Did you see the the weird stiff dog? Like that's not not real. And as a person just watching this film, we can kind of laugh at it, but that's what we do to the enemy. We have manufactured a giantness, a pervasiveness uh, that he knows more than he actually does. Did you know that some people believe that the enemy is everywhere at once just like God? That is a lie. The enemy is not omnipresent. He's only in one place at a time, and I can almost guarantee he ain't bothering me. I can go when the Lord tells me what to do. I can, I can fight what the Lord tells me to fight because he's not even by me. If I start to get this misordered reality, these lies of who, how big the enemy is, how big his schemes are, and, and it can minimize how big God actually is. We can become afraid by listening to other people's fear and dysfunction, Okay, just because other people are afraid doesn't mean we have to be afraid, right? Have you ever been um, in a situation where someone said, oh my goodness, and you're like, what is it? You know, like, fear catches really, really fast, and some of that's just natural, like it's an instinct. But as as people of faith, we have to be really quick to counter the warnings. We have to be very quick to counter the warnings. When David, there's a story in scripture in Samuel, when David went to, not in Samuel, I'm sorry, Um, where is David found? Thank you, kings. Um, when David went to fight Goliath, he goes to the battlefield and everybody had been just hearing the, the taunt of this giant. They've been hearing him um, slander the name of God, slander the, the worship of his people. And then David gets there and he's just like, what have you guys been doing? You guys have been just letting this guy talk about our God this way? He had the right reality, the, the, the proper perspective. Yes, this guy was a giant. Yes, he was dangerous. But my God is greater. And he has declared that if he's calling us into battle, that we can be victorious. So I just got to trust that. I don't even have to be victorious to be victorious in trusting God. A lot of times the victory is in us just obeying. I believe that in the holy created order, the way that we're, we're created to be, like back in the day, back in the garden, that there wasn't actually fear. The only type of fear that existed was fear of God. And I tell you, if a fear of God gets gets smaller than our fear of people or our fear of situations we're out of alignment we're out of alignment we have to be just like our created self was supposed to be sometimes when I, I look at a sin or I look at something that I'm, I'm like is this sin I have to go back to creation like how did God intend for us to use this Okay, because stuff is getting confusing right now. Have you guys experienced this? You're like, oh, that's legal now? Is that allowed? Am I allowed to do that? You know, so I got to go back to creation. What does God say about this thing? What was his intention for how he made us to be? And I do believe that he has created us to be without any other fear except fear of him. That's the way he's created us to be, is that we would revere him, that we would love him, that we would worship him in every single capacity. So let's ask, how do we get free How do we get free of our fear? Um, We're gonna show one more clip, or two more clips. Um, They have, the ball's over the fence, and this is them trying to get the ball back, trying to overcome their fear, because they know they have to. This is one of the results of what they did. Check it out.
0: It's clear. Take me up. Come. Okay, let me down. I'm almost there. It's almost there.
1: Personal secret, that little kid, yeah, yeah, is my very first Hollywood movie crush when I was like 12-year-old little kid. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. And I would never tell my parents because I was so embarrassed. But now when I watch this, it's so weird. Have you ever watched a movie? You're like, back in the day, I had like a little high school girl crush on him. Anyways, the crazy thing is, (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to sweat right now. I'm embarrassed now. Um, the thing is, what, one of the things I want to commend these guys for is they didn't just ignore the thing that made them afraid, right? They knew that it was important enough to overcome their fear. At least they just didn't call themselves out. And I do know a lot of Christians. I know a lot of believers who's like, I'm afraid of that. I'm not even going to try. Let's not be that kind of a believer. Let's not be the believer who says, well, I can't understand the Bible, so I'm not going to read it. I'm not gonna be able to have impact on other kids. I'm not gonna volunteer. You know, we can discount ourselves before we even try because of fear. And I congratulate these guys on at least trying. But one of the most frustrating things is he let go of the ball. If he had just held onto the ball on his way up, movie done. Right? There's like 30 more minutes of this movie because fear caused him in the middle, almost to his victory, fear caused him to let it go. They had gone through all the trouble, all the weird things of getting him over the fence, and fear is the reason he let go. So let's not ignore fear, okay, because I do believe that fear ignored can turn into other things. Okay, fear unattacked, fear unaddressed can manipulate um, the way that we hear the voice of God. It can manipulate how we hear and respond to other people if we leave fear unaddressed. At least they went for it. At least we want to be, we're going to try. I'm going to try it. I love that attitude when I talk with certain people. They're like, well, I don't know about that, but I'll try. There's something of a bravery there. I believe a faith there where people are like, oh, I don't really know, but I'll try. And I believe that that's all God's asking for us. He's not asking us to be successful. He's asking us to be courageous enough to try. And so, um, but here's the thing. In being people who are trying to overcome our fears, let's not get weird, okay? Because I've been hearing, I'm um, talking with a lot of people about a lot of, a, of there's a lot of weird ways to overcome fear. Um, a friend of mine, she's like, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get my crystals. I'm going to lay them on my, my pressure points. And I'm just like, friend, that's weird. <laughs> we don't need crystals, okay? We don't need tarot cards because we're afraid of our future. We don't need to go and ask a psychic about our future. That's weird, and that's actually of the enemy. Let's not start to confuse truth and adopt worldly lies in order to overcome worldly fear, okay? So let's not get weird. Let's not get confused. I believe these boys got weird. This is like one of five different ways that they try to get that ball back, okay? And so they got really weird, and I believe that fear, um, Fearless acts, when we or not fearless acts, but when we are acting in fear and we try to get weird, we try to pretend we're not afraid. That's one way. We just try to pretend we're in denial. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. We start to do these mantras. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm just going to do it. And sometimes that can lead to denial, um, which can lead to procrastination, overcompensation, avoidance, pretending, um, numbing. There's a lot of different things that avoiding fear... Um, or or getting weird with fear can do, and I believe that scared Christians, when we act like scared Christians, we hurt other people. Scared Christians, we can hurt each other, and we can hurt the world. We can hurt our witness. We can hurt non-Christians by saying weird things to them that are not true in Christ. We're like, oh, you can come to church, but you better dot, dot, dot. We start speaking in fear over people who just need to be brought in with open arms. Let's be Christians of faith who are overcoming our fear, but let's not get weird. Don't get weird, guys. Last but not least, here's the last clip. This actually gets them right where they should have been from the beginning. Um, this is the final clip of the movie. And they jumped into the backyard. Um, Benny becomes the hero. He ch- the dog chases him around town for, like, miles, it seems. And... Um, they end up saving the dog's life. So what became fearful, they ended up going, what was the source of their fear, they ended up having to go save this dog from a fence that landed on him. So now they're returning the fence, or the dog, to their owner. Check this out.
0: This is bad. This is very bad. Um, we, we, we brought your dog home. Hercules? How'd he get out? I'm telling you guys, should've just turned it loose. Um, uh, well, uh, we, uh... Well, what happened was, we hit a baseball into your yard. We tried to get it back. So you're the one's been making all that racket. Yes, sir. You get it? Y- yeah. Oh. Uh, first time that anybody ever got the best of old Hercules. Why didn't you just knock on the door? I'd have gotten it for you. Please. Oh my God! We <Vikings> oh yes. oh got the ball back, didn't we? Well, we didn't almost we? got killed! Didn't yeah. we get the ball <laughs> back? Get can... oh. can... oh.
1: Got the ball back. <laughs> <laughs> If they had just gone to the owner from the beginning, problem solved. And i believe as christians when we are facing our fears if we go to the owner of our life the owner of this planet the owner of all creation we will avoid avoid a whole bunch of weird um, trying to overcompensate for our fear so just go to the owner go to the one who made it all go to jesus first a lot of times when we're afraid we text our friends we google something i'll pinterest away you know like there's so many things that can come before us going straight to the source, that is a huge ton of wasted time. Huge ton of wasted money. Huge ton of wasted energy. It says in Philippians 4, 4 through 9, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. He will be with us. We don't have to circumvent the owner because we're ashamed. We don't have to go away from the owner because we think he'll be mad. He will be mad at us. I've tried to fix many, many situations because I thought my parents would be mad, so I try to fix it first and then go to them. My mom, my mom has told me many times, you should have just asked me for help. I would have paid for that for you, or I would have, you know. Like my parents are there to help get me out of trouble. They are not always the perpetuators of the trouble, even though I get disciplined, right? Sometimes we confuse the discipline of our father as a reason why we should fear him and avoid him, but really the discipline of the father is love, and he disciplines us perfectly. If you've ever been disciplined imperfectly, you can fear discipline, but the, the discipline of the Lord is perfect. Another thing we can do to be overcomers of fear, to be free from fear, is to minimize secondary voices. When you have other voices, sometimes it's, it's my voice, That's the the cause of the fear. Have you ever heard your voice? Like, you're so dumb, you know? I've heard that many, many times. When I say a stupid thing on this platform, I would tell you, it rings in my brain for a couple weeks. It rings, guys. It rings. And then I have to do the work of being, well, well, the Lord's going to use it. The Lord is going to use it. It's not about what I do. It's not about how good I am. It's not about how perfect I am. It's just the Lord. And if I stay there and I minimize the the evil little Candace voice in my head that's trying to tell me that I did a bad job, I'm not good enough, there's no one who could have ever heard that, as I minimize that voice, um, I can overcome fear. But that's work. That is a lot of work, and it is often a repeated work. And there's other voices. There are so many voices on social media that are not the voice of the Lord. They are not the voice of the Lord. They are not talking according to scripture. There are comparisons being made. There are descriptions being made. There are fears being sent out that are not from the Lord. And yes, we might need to be reading them because I want to be aware of what lost people think. I want to read those things so I understand how to reach the next generation. However, I cannot allow those fears to become my fears. I need to minimize those secondary voices. It says in 1 Samuel, uh, oh, this is where um, David and Goliath was, but in Isaiah 41, 12, though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. That has to be way bigger than every other voice. God says my enemies will be non-existent because of how big he is. Okay, so that is, that's the reality. Not that I will not ever have enemies, but actually my enemies will be nothing compared to Christ, nothing compared to the Lord. And if I lose that, those voices don't stay minimal. They don't stay small. And last but not least, the thing we got to do is to stay repentant. We have to stay a repentant people. We can't assume that we're always right. We can't assume that I can do this on my own without Christ. I believe that there's a lot of people who are stuck in fear because we are working really hard to earn our own forgiveness, and we can't do it. We cannot earn our forgiveness. We cannot earn our salvation, and in the effort of trying, we create a gap between us and the Father. We're not actually coming to Him in repentance. We're coming to Him as if, I know it all. I already did a lot of work, Scott. I already did a lot of good things. I can come to you now, right? Right? So a lot of times we are, we're, we're living in fear because we haven't done enough to be good enough to go before the Father. It says in Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Your fear may actually be the fruit of striving for forgiveness. 2 Peter 3.9 says it's not about um, it says, the Lord has not is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And what we mean by repentance, repentance is one of those words that doesn't get heard very often outside of church. Repentance is not just, I'm sorry, Lord. Repentance is, I'm sorry, Lord, and I'm ready for you to change me. I'm ready to turn away. I'm ready to not do that anymore. I'm ready to be done with that. And a repentant heart doesn't, um, doesn't end in our moment of salvation. That's not when repentance ends. Yes, for salvation we come and we say, God, I can't do this without you. I repent of my sins. I come before you. And he gives us the freedom from sin right then and there. Hallelujah. <laughs> but then we start this journey of staying in this attitude of, it's not my will, it's your will. It's not my power, it's your power. God turn change my heart make me new change my mind make it new it's a consistency of going before the lord and when he gives us a reason to turn we do it we turn we make a change we make we make a new way so i want to encourage you guys we're going to stand right now and i want to pray for three different people i'm going to invite the prayer teams to come up because i want to overcome fear i want to be free from fear completely Okay, and so this is the thing. Again, we do this day and day and day. We, we become free from fear on a regular basis. But as we walk outside of these doors, I don't want a single person in this place to leave saying, you know, I still got those fears. We're going to do the business of becoming free from fears right now. And that, that first comes from salvation. First, it happens with salvation, so I can't skip this. If you're a person and you have yet to say yes to Jesus, whether you're online or you're in the building, we need to say yes to Jesus first because he is the author of our faith. He's the one who starts the freedom. We can't create uh, freedom just by laying hands on you without the covering of salvation. So if you need the covering of salvation, you need to be set free both in the physical world and the spiritual world from sin, from hell, from um, disconnection from Christ. I want you to raise your hand right now. We're going to pray for you right wherever you are. There's hands. And we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters. There's three. Um, There's hands all over. So if you're by somebody who has their hand up, uh, our eyes are open. I didn't tell you to close your eyes. Go look at them and stretch your hand out. We're going to pray for them right now. Holy precious God, I pray for those who have their hands up right now and those who maybe you're praying online and your hands are up wherever you are. God, I pray, Father, that you would meet them right where they are. Set them free from sin. Set them free from the grip of the enemy. Set them free from... From death and their, their, their past ways. And Lord, your scripture says that when we come before you, we are a new creation. And God, we celebrate the newness, the new birth that is happening right now in Jesus' name. And we declare that the spirit will be in charge of these souls from this day until they die and, re- and they see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, everybody shouted amen and amen and amen. Yes, let's give it up. If you said yes to Jesus, we want to connect with you. Um, text Jesus to the number on the screen because that we will we'll pray with you. We want to connect with you and you can come up here. But the next two people I want to pray with real quick are people who need deliverance from fear and people who need to repent. Sometimes that action of repentance can happen on your own, but sometimes you need to confess to a brother sometimes you need to confess to a sister and so if you need to this this altar is here for you you don't need to come to a person but you can just come and lay i have to go and i have to get on my face i have to get on my knees to repent sometimes because my my brain will fight it my brain will still say you can do this candace you know like it'll still lie and say i can do this on my own i gotta bring it before the lord and sometimes there needs to be a physical shift for my spirit to catch up and so, if you're either of those groups, I want to invite you to come to the for, come to the forefront of the auditorium, and we're going to pray for all of you. Go ahead and come right now. If you want, want deliverance from fear, we're going to pray with you. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to anoint you with oil. Come forward right now. If you want to be, um, if you want to have a prayer of repentance, and then if you're none of those people and you don't want to be free from fear, or if you don't want to be um, delivered from um, or have a prayer of repentance, we're going to pray for all of you guys right now before you leave. So, Heavenly Father. I thank you, God. Go ahead and close your eyes. Go ahead and raise your hands, and we're going to pray for our church together. As a community, God, we say we need more of you. We need more of you, God. Forgive our hearts for trying to do it our own way. Forgive our minds for um, entertaining thoughts that are not holy and pure. Forgive our mouths for speaking not truth or speaking evil over people, God. Forgive our attitudes for being um, uh, judgmental or for, being, for having a, a short-sightedness as to what your call is on our lives. God, and I pray for freedom right now, Father, for any person with worry and anxiety in their life that has crippled their their passion for service, that has crippled their ability to live a full life, God. It says that you've come so that we may have life and live it to the fullness, God. And I pray for those whose worry and anxiety have kept them from living that full, full anointed life. We ask for your freedom from fear right now that as we walk out of these doors that you would give us a call. Give us something to do, my Lord. Give us an, um, a divine appointment, even on a holiday, God. <laughs> even on a holiday when it seems like I got, I got these other things I'm going to go do. But God, give us a moment when we would go and be a ministry, be a minister to somebody else today. And I pray against fear in Jesus' name that I had no room in the hearts of your children. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen, amen, amen All right.
0: Thanks for listening Hope you enjoyed the message And we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11am Visit us online at kchamford.com And if you want to support our ministry, click give Cornelia Church Passion for God, compassion for people